0: God's good, isn't He? I mean, seriously, isn't it, it's fun to be in a church where the Holy Spirit actually like shows up and actually moves, right? <laughs> yes, I'm. Th- well, maybe that excites me more than some of y'all. That's okay. <laughs> He's so good. Listen, um, we're gonna be we're, we're gonna be all over. So I actually, uh, I actually, you know. Logan and I don't communicate with what, uh, what, what I'm going to preach and what he's going to do worship with. And he actually gets aggravated when I come over and look what he's going to sing. <laughs> uh, or what, what he's going to sing. I'm sorry, not what I'm going to sing, <laughs> what he is. But anyway, he gets aggravated. But it was, it's really neat because I think really what the Lord's doing this morning is just lining up something. And um, sorry, let me turn this, these messages off here. All right. So, the Lord's lining something up, and I believe it's very important for where we are as a church and for what some folks are going through. And again, I just uh, I'm just really thankful. So, Luke 14, Luke 14, the parable of the dinner, the parable of the banquet. Uh, we started this last week, and I believe we're going to be here at this idea of the table for a while um, because I want us to understand what we have been invited to partake in. Okay. So, Luke 14, there's this big banquet. I'm going to start with read verses 16 and 17. I'm not going to read the whole story, um, but I'm going to use these two verses to jump off the next few weeks. It says, But he said to him, a man was having a big dinner, and he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready right now. Come, for everything is ready right now. <laughs> he says, There's a big dinner. And again, this is review, but again, we like to review here because I'm more interested in us becoming the word that we hear rather than always hearing a new word that we forget as soon as we leave. Okay? So, okay, that's all right. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. All right. So it's a big dinner. It means a great and big and loud dinner. And, and the Lord invites us into this great big wedding feast, into this great big party, when you come into the kingdom of God, it's a great big party, okay? It's not a great big funeral. I mean, you die. You die to yourself. You die daily. We've been crucified with Christ, but you actually live in Christ, and it's this big loud party. And, and, and if you don't like big loud parties, then the kingdom of God is probably not for you, okay? And he says this big dinner, which means feast meal. Again, it means main course, and the way it reads is it means that every course that's brought out is the main course, which means that he's not holding any of his goodness back. He's just saying, everything that I have is the best. And since everything I have is the best, here you go. And he says, it's ready right now. Now, again, this is review, but I used to read this as if it was a passage referring to when we get to heaven. And I don't believe this refers to heaven whatsoever because of the excuses that the men make later on in Luke 14. I'm sorry, if I'm in heaven, I'm not going to go, Lord, I just bought a piece of property. I need to go back and take care of it, right? You're not going to do that. This is for right now. And he says, I've sent out the invitation, and I believe the invitation is when you accepted Christ into your hearts, and, and we understand that it doesn't stop there. Like, April and I's marriage began on March 15, and it was almost 16 years ago, so I'm not a math major. I'm, and, I, and anyway, 2003. I'm so sorry, but he invites us. In, he invites us into this relationship with him, and and the wedding. It was that day, but it was the beginning of a journey. Okay, and so when we come into the kingdom, we pray the prayer. That's the RSVP, if you will. But after that RSVP is sent out, he says, come, there's this big dinner, there's this big banquet, there's this big table spread out for you. And if you would get seated at that table, you would enjoy your life much, much, much more than you are probably enjoying it if you're too busy and toiling to be seated at that table. That's right. All right. He says, everything is ready right now. And right now means right now. Amen. Amen. Too often, again, we say we have to wait to heaven to enjoy the things of God. And I think that is false teaching, and I think it does more harm than good. But what if I'm not experiencing those things right now? I'm saying let's keep persevering and let's keep believing (laughs) in faith, in faith, all right? So, Bible teaches we can experience heaven right now, and that's a verse over this house anyway. By the way, is Matthew 6.10 that we pray all the time on earth as it is in heaven, And so Jesus, I don't think Jesus said, I want you to pray this way because it sounds like a good, eloquent prayer. I can't hear myself. It would be a good, eloquent prayer. I believe Jesus had us pray that way because it would invite us into this lifestyle where we would actually believe that this stuff is actually possible. All right. so. One of the things that if we would get seated at this banquet table, and, and this will be new for some of us in here, one of the things that, that he's invited us to to sit at is this idea of ruling and reigning with Christ Jesus. Now, yeah, <laughs> I knew that would make you uncomfortable. Uh, it's the truth. We have been called to rule and to reign on the earth, and I'm going to prove it to you this morning. All right. Revelation 1.6. Again, now we're saying this, this is right now. Okay. So what does that mean? It means that we are called to rule and to reign right now. We've been called to make disciples of the nations. We've been called to win people for Christ. I don't believe that the Lord has called us and given us this planet so the devil can run the planet, okay? He's actually called us to win people with kingdom values and actually instill kingdom values in places. Well, what about separation of church and state, brother? Well, that's fine. The government can do whatever it wants to do and separate this stuff, but what if we get government-elected officials and leaders that actually end up running for office, right? And not because they're right-wing Republicans or not because they're left-wing Democrats, but because they're actually spirit-filled believers putting in those positions. What if we get school board officials that are elected that actually have the things of God on their hearts and their minds? Again, it doesn't matter if it's right or it's left. I don't care about that stuff. What I'm saying is we need people in these positions of authority. What if we get governors and what if we get mayors that believe that Christ died and desires to reconcile all the earth to men? Uh, then, and then it wouldn't be about, well, they're liberal, they're conservative, they're this or that. No, they're kingdom-minded and the rules and legislation and everything that they're putting in the place has the kingdom of God values behind it. That's just what it is. So that's probably the most political I've ever been. But we need Christians in these positions of authority in society. And it's nobody's fault but the churches that it's not. All right. That was fun. It was. (laughs) And I said before, I'm an independent, so don't try and peg me for right or left. So I'm a kingdom man. Revelation 1.6. Revelation 1.6 says, And he made us to be a kingdom of priests to his God and Father to him be glory and dominion forever. Amen. Revelation 5.10. I'm going to read a couple of verses real quick. Revelation 5.10. You've made them to be a kingdom of priests to our God. And they will reign upon the earth. <laughs> so, wait. It doesn't sound to reign... When I get to heaven, it says, I'm going to reign upon the earth. So I'm going to mess with you this morning. Romans 5.17 says, this is the verse I'm going to hammer. It says, for if by the transgression of one, Adam, death reigned through the one, much more, those who receive the abundance of grace of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. (laughs) So all throughout, all throughout the Word, it talks about ruling and reigning. And I want to talk about reigning in life today. And what does reigning in life look like? Reigning in life looks like this. I just think it's like this. But reigning in life doesn't look like this. He's not defeated and I'm not defeated because <laughs> I've been crucified with Christ and it's not I who any longer lives, but it's Christ in me by His Spirit, right? And so because of that, I'm not defeated. Because of that, I'm actually Hooper I Nakeo. Am, I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus, right? And because of Him, I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of my testimony. And because I do not love my life so much that I shrink back or that I fear death. I, we can rule and reign here on earth. And even if we're surrounded by the enemy, we can live with this mindset that he is Christus Victor. He is Christ the Victor. Because he lives inside of me, so am I and so are you. All right? <laughs> so we've been invited to this table right now. And at the table, this part's review, but we need to get it in our heads, that at the table, it's illegal to identify with Adam. Come on. Come on. It's illegal. It's like, if I'm going to sit at the table with him, it's illegal to identify more with Adam, which we're talking about the fallen nature of man, than it is to relate to Christ Jesus, the righteous one of God. So which means this when I give my life to Jesus like before Jesus I could yeah I had every right to relate to Adam I'm I'm dirty rotten scoundrel right I'm, I'm a sinner say I'm well I'm not I was a sinner saved by grace but now I'm actually what we just read I'm actually a king and a priest in the kingdom of God. Actually, that's what Jesus was in the order of Melchizedek. I'm not trying to get weird, but that's who he came from, the line he came from, which was a king and a priest that had no beginning and had no end. And that's who he came from, and that's who we are right now on this earth. But anyway, so here's this thing. Here's this thing that it's illegal to relate to Adam, and and I say that if if the devil if the devil could get you to let me say let me. Track. If you could go to church, if you could give your life to Christ, if you could pray the prayer of faith and give your life to him, if you could put money in the plate when it's passed around, if you could serve on a church board, if, if you could teach Sunday school classes or equipping hour classes, if you could show up to a prayer meeting, if you could show up to special revival services, if you could do all of those things but struggle with the mindset that you're always going to struggle with sin the enemy wins. Come on, come on. He does. And, and that's, that's a mindset that has, that's really infiltrated the church. And I'm telling you today, we don't have to live with that mindset. Well, brother, I struggle with this. You don't have to. But this, this, and this. But you don't have to. I may slip and I may fall. That's okay. Get back up and keep moving forward. There's grace. It's not cheap grace where we, Paul says, do I keep sinning? Do I keep doing this? No. But I get back up and I keep moving forward. I'm going to relate more to Christ Jesus. And I'm going to do everything. And like this is something that I feel like that I'm learning right now. And that I'm aspiring to every day. Every day every day why well, i was angry yesterday for no reason you know what i'm i should not relate to adam anymore i need to relate to christ he's not angry he's not angry he's not bitter He's not full of lust. He's not full of greed. He's not full of slander. But he's righteousness, joy, and peace. And that's who I'm going to relate to. And you're like, well, is that kind of like believism where you're just actually just speaking things out? And and almost word of faith where you're speaking things out and and trying to convince yourself of the things that you believe? Yeah. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with it. (laughs) So anyway. All right. So at the table, it's illegal to identify with Adam. It says, for if the transgression of one, death reigned through the one. Reigned, the word reign that we're using here through the above verses in Revelation or right here in Romans. Reigned, death reigned. Reign means to control completely. So before Christ, death controlled us completely. And now death has no power over us. Like my body's going to give out one day. But I'm never going to die. Maybe you all don't want to run around the room when that gets said, but I sure do. <laughs> that makes me just want to fly around the place. Death reigned through the one. Reign means actually to rule as a king. So before Christ Jesus, death reigned or ruled as a king in our life. That's why, like, and, and it's, it's, it never ceases to amaze me, like, like you know, we, Because I'm a pastor, I've, I've been there many times when people took their last breath. A bit of just, it's just part of it. And there are those that have the peace of God all over them, that they know that they know that they know Jesus. They've walked with them. There's been some that prayed the prayer and like repented just moments before they died. They've been there too. But they had that peace. And then there's those that have held on to death for dear life, and they're terrified. It's because death is ruling and reigning. And it doesn't have to be that way. I don't want to die. You can't, you can't strike that fear in my life, because I want to, but I don't want to go yet either, because there's a planet to win. <laughs> but I'm just saying we can live this way, all right? Okay. See, where death, where death reigns, there's stress. Where death reigns, there is anxiety, and where death reigns, there is worry, right? There's fear where death reigns. There's fear where death reigns. And again, it's illegal to relate to that if we're at the table because again, it's Christ Jesus. Now, now again, I say this and if you're like, "Why well, struggle with those things. Again, this is not to make you feel guilty. This is an invitation into freedom is what this is. Now at the table, we relate to Jesus. Look at the second part. It says here in Romans 5.17. And much more. So this is saying... For the transgression of one, death reigned through the one. But much more than that, that's saying that, that, yeah, this has some weight and some power, but even greater than the power of death, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will what? Will reign in life through the one Christ Jesus. So, yeah, death has power, but... Jesus defeated death. He actually said, give me your keys back. Give me my keys back. Actually, the keys that were taken in the garden. But give me my keys back because it's rightfully mine. And actually, Colossians says that after he defeated death, he paraded the enemy around the cosmos. It actually says he stripped them naked and humiliated him and paraded him around the cosmos. Why? Because he is defeated. Much more those who receive... Receive what? Abundance of grace in the gift of righteousness. Receive means to take and to grab hold of and it actually means to become so convinced that you can't be talked out of it. That's, right. That's what belief is, by the way. It's you get so convinced, like it doesn't matter what goes on in my life. I'm going to believe this very thing. You cannot talk me out of it. <laughs> the abundance of grace it means a surplus of grace. How about that? God, like we like going to like surplus stores, right? Or some of y'all get to like Ross Dress for Less or Nordstrom, Ratt, like the surplus places or Sam's or whatever. You go to those places, why? Because there's a discount because they made too much. There's an abundance, there's a surplus of grace that's available to us. If we would just say, I'm going to take it and I'm going to take it all. And I, I think some of us, we'd be like, I'm going to take it I'm going to run with it. But even if you run with it, he's not going to change his mind. He's going to be like, they finally got it. That's what he's going to say. And then he says, and the gift of righteousness righteousness is right standing with God so not only does he give us with give us grace but he gives us right standing with God like like Moses says show me your glory and the Lord says I'll show I'll I'll cause my goodness to pass you by but when he says I'll cause my goodness to pass you by he actually the way it reads is is like he's like you can't even look at my face but I'm going to show you my backside because that's all you could actually stand. Because if you looked at me face to face, you'd probably be like, you'd melt. Is essentially what's going on here. And he says, show me this. Because of the righteousness of Christ Jesus, and we read that 2 Corinthians 5.21, he who had no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now think of that. He didn't just say so that you could be righteous and right standing with God. You are actually a walking example, a living incarnation of the righteousness of God. Which means that when we live our lives, when someone looks at us and they're like, What's the righteousness of God look like? I mean, like, it looks like five foot 10, <laughs> two hundred and. I don't, it doesn't matter. But <laughs> and it has dark hair, receding hairline, and it has this beard. And this is what the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus actually looks like. And that's not arrogance because it's not anything that I could muster because you can't fake righteousness. You can't fake holiness. We, we tried to do it for five decades and made it about a list of do's and do nots. And the list of do's and do-nots, if I'm righteous, I'm going to follow the list of do's and do-nots. But if I'm not and right standing with God, it's impossible to keep that list. So, they'll get the gift of righteousness. (laughs) It really is a gift. I mean, like, seriously. He who knew no sin became sin so that I could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And he says, here's this gift. Word, gift's a fascinating word. When he says, I'll give you the gift of righteousness, it means that he gives it to you without expecting something back. That's right. By the way, when you give someone a gift and you're really giving someone a gift to get something back from them, that's not a gift, it's manipulation. It's like when I tell my wife I love her. Like, if she doesn't say it back to me, I don't get offended. I know she loves me. I don't say it to elicit a response. That's manipulation. The Lord says, I'm going to give you this gift of righteousness, and I don't need anything in return for it, but we just need to walk this out. Does that make sense? All right. (laughs) This is really good stuff. (laughs) We can live a life of victory. We can live a life of righteousness. Like I think what the world needs more than anything, I think what the world needs more than anything is a church that's living a righteous lifestyle. On. And it's not, look, and I'm just going to be honest, like righteousness, it isn't seeker-friendly in the sense, it's, it's, it's not going to attract thousands and thousands and thousands. Not immediately at least. But you know what it'll do? It'll set an example. And then I believe one by one, the people in our day-to-day lives will be like, man, you're burning pretty bright right now. And I don't even think it's your fire that's burning. Could you tell me why you're living this way that you're living? See, following Jesus isn't about joining a church. It's about living a kingdom lifestyle that becomes really the fragrance and the aroma of Christ that makes people want that same lifestyle. That's what it right. is. So so like at River City, like we do have a culture here and it's like it, it really is a fun culture to be in. But it's not even so much a culture as we really want people to live this lifestyle. Yes. Amen. Yes. Okay? All right. We can live a life of joy. We can live a life of peace. Right now. Right now. Right now. Because he says, come for everything is ready right now. All right. So, he's like, okay, well, this ruling and reigning thing makes me uncomfortable. I'm sorry, but it just is what it is. (laughs) There's a lot in here that makes me uncomfortable. It's always been the Lord's intention. From the beginning of creation, this is what he created man for. All right, Genesis 1, verses 26, 27, and 28. Let me read them to you. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image. I mean, he says us because he's a triune God, okay? So let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish and of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Some really important things here. First, he says, let us make man in our own image. Why would God make man in his own image? And man, man, and woman, okay? But why would would God make man and woman in his own image? Because God desires people that look like him to rule and reign over the earth. What's that mean? It means that we should look like him to a culture that does not know him. That's why I believe, like, as the waters cover the sea, the glory of the earth will cover the earth. That's Habakkuk. Why why would the Lord say, as the waters cover the sea? It's like, how does water cover the sea? Because water is the sea. (laughs) Right? I think the Lord wants His glory to cover the earth to such a degree that, that people really can't distinguish where the earth begins and His glory begins, and where the earth ends, and where the. And you understand what I'm saying? Like, He just desires His goodness and His grace and His mercy and His majesty to be demonstrated and manifested on the earth. And so, why did He make man in His own image? So that other men would know what the Lord actually looks like. Because, again, you can't look at the face of the Lord without melting, right? But you can look at me and you can see that there's Christ in me, the hope of glory. He can look at you and see Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so, because it, it, because of the intimacy that Adam and Eve walked in, they were given the permission and the responsibility to really steward the planet. Now think about it. He said, you're going to rule over the fish of the sea. That's crazy. But Adam was trusted to name every living thing on earth. Like, how, like, that's mind-boggling to think of, too, right? It's like, zebra. Like, how did he come up with that? <laughs> but the Lord trusted him to do it. Amen. It's like Inception. <laughs> Some of you don't get it. That's okay. I believe if we would walk in close intimacy with God, that we would be given the permission and responsibility to begin to steward this neighborhood, our city, our state, and our region, and our nation for God. What does that mean? It means that if we would say, you know what, I've seated at this table, and I'm going to begin to live my life as I'm ruling and reigning. I'm not going to live as a defeated foe. I'm not going to say, would you please hurry and come back? Because it's really getting bad here. Instead, I'm going to say, it's really bad out there. But that just gives me more permission to begin to pray and to cry out that your presence invades the earth. Right? And that your glory comes. And that people start to come to a saving knowledge of you. And yeah, it's getting bad out there. But you know what? You said seven, Second Chronicles 7.14... that that if we would humble ourselves and pray and turn from our wicked ways, that you would begin to heal our land, that you would begin to hear from heaven, right? And that, I mean, if we would just get a hold of this and stop saying that it's up to the Dems or the Republicans to save the planet, but it's actually up to us to save the planet because they're not looking with a kingdom mindset. They're not living in intimacy with Jesus. Some of them, I'm sure, are. But what I'm saying is, if we would stop blaming everyone else and stop saying it's because these rules are in places, the rules, like we say, stuff like prayer is not allowed in the schools. Well, you know what? Maybe it should get back in our homes, and then it would actually get into the schools. Or are they taking the Ten Commandments out of the courthouses? Well, maybe if we would live by the Ten Commandments in our house, that it would actually be there. What I'm saying is we need to take the responsibility. And I'm not saying this to be mean. I'm saying that it's actually time to say... God, we absolutely have to have you. Would you move? Would you show up? Would you do what you said that only you could do? I'm no longer going to leave it up to elected officials to take care of my neighborhood or my community. We're going to start looking after the poor. We're going to start looking after the widows. We're going to start looking after the orphans. We're not going to rely on the government to take care of them anymore. We're going to do whatever we can with what you have given us to the best of our abilities because we believe that you called us to rule and to reign on this earth. Oh, man. That's been his plan from the get-go. That has been his plan from the get-go. And then it got messed up in Genesis chapter 3 when the Lord shows up in the cool of the day to walk with Adam and Eve, which is mind-boggling, that the Lord of hosts wants to walk in intimacy and fellowship with us. But because of sin, they were cast out of the garden. But then Jesus came. It says, Jesus, saying, I came to seek and save, not who was lost, that which was lost, is what it says. Wow. What was lost? That fellowship and communion with God. Wow. The authority and the ruling and reigning as kings on the earth. All right? Like we can live as victorious. Now, I'm not saying life's not going to stink sometimes. I'm saying when life stinks, it doesn't have to eat my lunch anymore. So very practically, very practically, what does this look like? Look at Psalm 110. Psalm 110 is the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. This is crazy. I'm going to throw a weird tidbit to you, too, with this one. Psalm 110, the Lord says to my Lord. This is David writing this psalm. The Lord says to my Lord. Like, what does that even mean? The Lord says to my Lord. I believe David was given prophetic insight here. And he actually, the Lord says to my Lord. So Yahweh, the Father, said to the Messiah. David actually was given a vision of a conversation between two members of the triune God, which is crazy. But anyway, I'm not even talking about that today. That's just wild. This is the Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power, in a holy array from the womb of the dawn, your youth, your youth are to be you as the dew. The Lord has sworn and will not change His mind. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings in the day of His wrath, he will judge among the nations. He will fill them with corpses. <laughs> he will shatter the chief man over the broad country. He will drink from the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he will lift up his head. All right. It's like, what are we talking about? All right. This gives us a picture. Now, David is really writing this psalm about Christ Jesus. Okay? But... I want you to understand this. We just established that through him, we are the righteousness of God. So what Jesus was, he said, you now are. And I'm not saying you've came to save the world. I'm saying you've came to demonstrate the glory of the God which saves the world. All right? All right. So reigning in life, I want to just real quick, three little points. Reigning in life is living a life where we allow God to fight our battles. (laughs) Reigning in life is living a life where we allow God to fight our battles. He is your defense, right? All right. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Then it says, the Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. So the Lord's saying, even though the enemy is around you, I want you to live this ruling and reigning lifestyle. This sounds real familiar to me. This sounds like Ephesians 2, 6, which says that we have been raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He's quoting the exact same thing. It means that that we need to get to that table, we need to sit down, and we need to say, come hell or high water, I'm not moving from this seat. rule in the midst of your enemies. By the way, it's really interesting. The Lord told Moses that your enemies are my enemies. Not that God's enemies were Moses' enemies, but Moses' enemies were the Lord's enemies. Anyway, he says, you are rule in the midst of your enemies. What, 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 what does that look like? It means that I'm careful how I say this. In an increasingly secular world, that we don't say the world's becoming increasingly secular. It means that we say, I'm going to get seated with him in the heavenly places. I'm going to live with this mindset. i have this kingdom viewpoint. I'm not getting up from here. And I'm going to keep worshiping the Lord. I'm going to keep living a holy life. I'm going to keep doing the absolute best that I can. And again, if I fall, I'm going to continue to move forward. I'm going to continue to strive. I'm going to continue to pursue Jesus. Why? Because yeah. I think eventually the enemy gets distracted and decides to move on. We've said this here before the enemy operates on a budget. He's not omnipotent like the Lord. He's not omniscient like the Lord. He's not all powerful and he's not all places at all times. So he has to pick and choose where he spends his capital at. I just happen to think that if we would get so filled with him and say, I'm sitting here at this table with him and and the Lord is helping me stretch out this scepter, what does that look like? I actually think it means to, to like the scepter represented the king's authority and he stretches it out. And it's like he's making a decree when he does it. I think it's actually when we begin to declare and decree the word of God over situations in our life. It's like you've promised that you've promised to never leave or forsake me. I'm going to declare and decree that, all right? Or where dark, where light shines, darkness has to flee. And so if there's darkness around, I'm going to be like, Lord, shine your light into this place. And it has to go. All right, I'm going to start decreeing the word of God and stretching that forth. And I'm going to watch the enemy begin to shimmer, or I'm gonna watch the enemy begin to shake and begin to actually flee, yes. because he's gonna go mess with someone that's like, oh, just being attacked by the devil right now. <laughs> he's defeated, God, and actually, the Lord defeated him so badly, he made him into a footstool. <laughs> I actually think he's a footstool where it has like the little bar on it, like the little, and it's like. I'm going to get the dog doo-doo off my shoes while I'm doing this. I'm going to prop my feet up, right? So I'm going to get the manure and we'll get the mud off of me. And he says, you've he, he been called to rule and to reign and to live from that place. So I'm not going to get up from that table. And if I start to get antsy, I'm going to be like, wait. <laughs> You're not taking my seat. I'm not getting up for no one. All right. Reigning in life is living a life where we bear fruit and we are satisfied. (laughs) Like Jesus wants us to bear fruit. Your people will volunteer volunteer freely in the day of your power. What does that mean? So David's saying right here that Christ's people will volunteer freely. It means that people will serve the Lord with no questions asked and just want to serve the Lord. I, I, I'll never, ever forget, I'm not saying this to put anything on anyone, but when we were first called into ministry and we actually went to Midland, Texas, we were called to be youth pastors and we showed up and my uncle who was the pastor says, surprise, you're going to be a children's pastor. And we did it. And we did it. It wasn't our choice, but we did it. And we were thankful to be serving the Lord. Some days more thankful than others, but we were thankful to serve the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is saying that if we can get seated, it'll actually cause others around us to want to begin to serve the Lord. So your life is an invitation for someone else to serve. Jesus, it just feels like there's a lot of distractions. I pray you'd see some right now. In fact, it suggests that people volunteering will, will do whatever It says that they'll do whatever is needed, and then it actually says this. It says, your youth are to you as the dew, meaning that our kids actually become refreshing to us, whether they're our biological kids or whether they're our spiritual sons and daughters that we have raised up in the faith. That means that you're going to find so much, as you sit here, you're going to find satisfaction as they praise the Lord. It's like the other night. I just got all weepy when I looked over here, and the kids were here, and they had their hands up. Like that brought me more satisfaction than anything else in this whole world because they're worshiping the Lord. All right. Reigning in life, last one. Reigning in life is living a life convinced that God is not going to change his mind about us. (laughs) Look at verse four in Psalm 10. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So he swore. We shouldn't swear, but the Lord can. And he won't change his mind. He says, you're a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So when, when he says in Luke 14, come for everything is ready right now. And he's prepared this table for you. And you're seated at that table. Like, he's not going to change his mind that you're sitting at that table. We choose to get up from that table. But he's not going to change his mind about you being there. Like, we've been, we've been places, we've been invited to dinners, and, and it's like, man, we have no business being here. <laughs> right? And it's like, let's hurry up and eat before they change their mind and say, you need, y'all, y'all, be, you, you need to go, right? <laughs> no, this isn't like that. The Lord says, this is Michael's seat. I'm not going to change my mind about his seat. This is Logan Wells' seat. This is Jeff Schwartz and Trubor's seat. This is Judy's seat. This is Tatum's seat. I'm, th- that seat has your name written all over it. And actually, it's been custom made for you. It's, it's ergonomically correct, right? It's, it's made to just fit the exact shape of you. And, and and if anyone else gets in it, they're not going to be comfortable because that seat was made especially for you. And I'm not going to change my mind about it. Why is it custom made? Because he can't take it back. He won't send it back. It's like it's like when you order something custom made online. It's like no refunds or no returns. Why? Because it was made especially for you. You can't change your mind about it. The Lord, he's not going to change his mind about that table. And the moment we come become convinced of that, I think it does something inside of you. The moment that you become convinced that you're actually righteous, I think is the moment that you stop struggling with sin why why because again I'm not, you're not sin waiting to happen you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus the moment you become convinced that it does not let me say this I'm being very careful because I'm not giving you a license to go crazy The moment you become convinced that there's nothing that you can do that will make him love you less than he loves you right now, and the moment you become convinced that there's nothing that you can do that will make him love you more than he loves you right now. It's just, the moment you become convinced of that, I bet you start to pray different. I mean, there's a time for deep crying out intercession. But, and I get that. But I can promise you that a king is not going to beg for his servants to do anything. And if we can rule and reign, we're going to be like, God, would you move in this situation? And we're going to begin to see the Lord move in situations. You don't have to talk him into it. He wants to. He wants to move. Well, it's like, well, how do I know I'm praying God's will? If you read the Bible, I promise you, you start, just start praying the word and you'll start praying as will. It'll change the way you pray. It'll change the way you live your life. And then you're like, well, I, I messed up. I flew off the handle this week. or I, I went back to the one habit that I always go back to because I've struggled with it. Well, you know what? Put the habit back down and climb back up in that seat and think, I have no business being here other than your blood has made me righteous in your sight and I'm going to keep sitting here, and I'm going to enjoy everything that's available at this table, and I'm going to enjoy the one that invited me to this table. Does that make sense? Okay. This is a lot. I mean, this, this, is, this is a lot. I wasn't taught this in Sunday school classes. I was taught be humble, and we should be humble. But Melchizedek was a very humble king. That's why Jesus came from that line. And if we're going to rule in the midst of our enemies, and I'm not calling people our enemies because people aren't our enemy, right? But the spirit that's controlling them is. All right? So people aren't. It's what's controlling them is. But if we're going to rule in the midst of our enemies, which is really the devil and his demons and minions, whatever. If we're going to rule in the midst of that, we're going to rule like Christ would rule, with kindness, with grace, with mercy, with truth, and with love. And we're going to be, a, we're going to be the king that we wish we had, and actually we're going to be the king that we do have. Does that make sense? We're going to live our life like that. Not everyone's going to get it. Some people are going to think you guys are out of your ever-loving mind. But truthfully, some Christians will think you're out of your mind. And that's because they haven't gotten an understanding of actually where they've been seated at. Because if they got that understanding, they'd be okay with it. And they'd be like, this is the best place I've ever been in my whole life. <laughs> so again i know it's different but you can live victorious we'll probably keep revisiting this because this is like the whole authority ruling reigning and i mean this is like that's blowing up me right now it really is and i think if i could just get this down lord what could you do through me If my church could just get this, what could you do through our church? What could you do in our city if we got so seated with you? And if we just became convinced that we no longer had to fight any battles, that what we would do is we would just drop to our knees and begin to declare and decree your word. Lord, you desire that none shall perish but all shall inherit eternal life. I pray, God, right now that my boss gets, falls under conviction and they get saved. Would you begin to do that? Or if I'm having a hard time with someone at my work, rather than pray god would you change their heart god would you change my heart to such a degree that it no that they no longer affect me and maybe they'll see that i'm no longer responding to them but they begin to change because they see the change in me would you begin to pray those things out or or god you said that the glory of the earth or you said that the glory of god is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea lord would you would you send forth your glory to cover Louisville as the waters cover the Ohio River. Would you begin to do that, God? Begin to pray from that position of authority and begin to declare the word of God over your life and over your city, over your job, over your family, over your kids. I've been reading Deuteronomy 28, uh, uh, verses 1 through 3. 13 or 14, I'm losing track of that right now, but I've been declaring that over my family, that that we're going to be the head and not the tail, that we're going to be the lender and not the borrower, that that we're going to be those things, and this isn't name it and claim it, this is just because this is what he says is available, and I'm going to, if it's available, I want to live that way, and then I'm going to stay, and I'm going to allow him to fight my battles, and then I'm not going to let the enemy eat my lunch, and then I'm going to keep demonstrating his goodness and his kindness and his graciousness, and then I'm not going to allow anything in my life to talk me out of the way he feels about me. By the way, that's the only thing the devil can do, is lie to you and convince you that you're not who you say you are, or who the Lord says you are. That's the only thing he can do. He's not... I don't need to talk about that. But there are some, some of us give him too much power and authority. It's It's all right here. He's not going to change his mind. And I'm not getting up from my seat. Let's pray. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Just try